Welcome to the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. This is Matt Zapala, your host and creator of Euphoria Health and Active Living, your go-to hub for all information on movement, sustainability, and plant-based nutrition. My main goal is to generate happiness, and I couldn't think of a more fitting word to represent my brand than Euphoria. Join me as I dive into raw conversation with qualified professionals, athletes, influential individuals, and many more. It's time now to introduce this week's special guest. In episode 10 of the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast, I was fortunate enough to sit down with women's health advocate, Christy Lee Brown. Christy is more than just a personal trainer. She's a massive advocate for all things health and wellness and dedicates her time to bettering the lives of as many people as she can. She's up to amazing things in the industry and is definitely a go-getter. Christy is an avid self-love advocate and explains how to dedicate time for yourself and why it is so important to do so. She takes a sustainable approach when coaching all of her clients, explaining to them how to truly connect with their bodies. Christy is clearing up all the yelling that's happening in the fitness industry and making it simple for the everyday person. So as Christy would say, slow down, make yourself a cup of tea and enjoy the show. Christy, thanks so much for making time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I believe this is your first podcast as well, so welcome to the community. It is, it is. <laughs> it's very exciting. Awesome. Paint the picture for you guys. We're currently upstairs in the Melbourne performance fitness gym how I met Christy we I was working at Lululemon and we did a group fitness session here and yeah I think I'm still sore from that nevertheless I'm loving everything that you're doing Christy as a personal trainer entrepreneur a women's health and self-love advocate you're doing amazing things in the community you should be thank very you proud. awesome let's dive straight into into it Christy tell us what life was like for you growing up well, it wasn't very active, to be honest. Considering that I've, I'm now currently in the health and fitness industry, it definitely wasn't something that was front of mind growing up. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, I PE was not my forte. I did dance for 16 years, so there was. When I say that health and fitness wasn't there, it was, it was probably dance was almost from a place of creativity rather than a place of doing it for the fitness side of things. Yeah, um, and then once I I left, I stopped dancing in about I think it was like year nine and. Um, kind of noticed at that particular point there's a lot of hormones running through your body and noticed a massive change from um, you know the way my body was responding so that kind of you know led into a little bit more of um, a health and fitness focus but I was a very um, independent child I spent a lot of time looking after I've got three sisters and I spent a lot of time looking after them so I was a bit of a role model for them and I think that that's what's kind of allowed me or, or kind of given me the direction to step into trying to really um, support and influence those around me in a really positive way because I had to do so much of that growing up. Um, When you've got, I had two younger sisters and an older sister, but um, my older sister didn't live with us for a while. So when I was responsible for kind of how they saw the world for so long, you you do take on a big responsibility about what they're exposed to and what they're doing. So Taking on the motherly figure. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm definitely, I feel I have myself defaulting to the motherly (laughs) role all the time. I I am known to be organised and very kind of collecting people and and making sure that everything's running smoothly. So I think that that definitely stemmed from from childhood. That's great. (laughs) And do you think that that's shaped into the coach you are today? Oh, 100%. 100%. I think, you know, um, 
it was you know from about 12 years old um i was i was responsible my, my both my parents worked quite a lot so i was responsible for looking after them and it kind of it forced me to step into being i guess way more independent than i think maybe i probably should have been at 12 i was definitely wasn't out playing a whole lot but um it kind of then gave me a sense of of purpose in that particular space i was you know I was responsible for them and it teaches you to be able to liaise with adults a lot earlier in life. So I was, sure. you know, I was sitting at the dinner table with my parents at, at you know, um, any event and talking to adults rather than going with the kids. <laughs> and, you know, that at the, that particular time, I don't necessarily know that I would recommend it to everybody. I think kids need to be kids. Yeah. But um, what it did was, was force me to meet and connect with people at an earlier age. And that's something that I do think that has helped my career um, in terms of being able to not be afraid to meet new people and, and get out there and um, network and network gets, the word network gets used a lot, but be able to really get to know people and what they're up to and how you can kind of support them and they can therefore support you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I can definitely relate with you there, Christy. Me growing up, I was always different to my brother and my sister and I was forced to mature a lot earlier. I was cooking my own meals and things like that. We took different avenues. So I think it shaped the person that I am today and it definitely allows me to make deeper connections with people. Yeah. Back into your high school life, into uni, do you have any qualifications or degrees? Not a university qualification, actually. Cool. I got into uni when I left school um, nice. and kind of was like, okay, at that, that crossroads when you're at year 12 that you think that your whole life depends on what you do <laughs> in the next 12 months. Yeah. Um, and you know that, the, as it does, the desire for income took over for me and I went straight into working actually um, in in more of the administration corporate side. So I spent a lot of time kind of progressing through the corporate ladder straight after school and okay. was quite successful in that as aspect in terms of um, I was able to kind of work my way up without a university qualification into a HR department, which was a huge like pat on the back for myself yeah, yeah. and um, again, allowed me to be exposed to a lot of things. Um, but in terms of, to answer the original question about qualification, I don't have a degree. I've got my, um, my cert three and four in fitness as I need to have to be able to yeah, operate. Okay. So yeah. legally I'm okay. Don't worry, insurance <laughs> is covered. <laughs> it would be wrong of me to say otherwise on a podcast. <laughs> um, I have also done a lot of shorter courses. Like I've got, um, some certificates in, in retail and my background is really diverse. Yeah. I was, um, uh, I, yeah, corporate world from straight out of school. I have to actually think to go through it. I, I left my um, HR career and went and was a flight attendant for wow. uh, four months, which was a short but sweet um, thing. And I always like to think that every single path that you take teaches you something. Yeah, definitely. And I look back on that, and even though it was probably one of the shortest careers that I've taken, within inverted commas, um, I've got to remember that I'm on a podcast, so yeah. talking is like the, the hand movement is not, no one no knows that. Here, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was, it was the shortest little burst, but it's four weeks of intense training um, to be actually to do that. And as much as it is a very kind of aesthetic job in, in terms of, the way that the industry, aviation is so safety heavy. Yeah. Um, and you literally were doing exams every couple of days and the, the courseware that you had to learn verbatim. So you, you had to be able to um, repeat certain calls and prompts 
just on demand. There was no ability to follow any cue cards. And what that actually taught me was how to study and yeah. how to learn. And yeah. it was something that I kind of, I liked school. I, um, I really, really enjoyed school, but I don't think you get taught how to study and how to learn. No. And when you're that young, it doesn't really make a difference. You kind of go to class, you do what you need to do when you, you get the marks that you need to get. But when leaving school and going into the industry, going into the corporate world, that gets all pushed pushed aside. You're just working and going through life. And what taking that mini mini break from corporate taught me was actually how to learn and that I enjoy studying. Um, so I left because I met my now husband and dating whilst having a flying roster doesn't work. No. <laughs> um, just if anyone's interested, don't <laughs> don't meet someone whilst you are becoming a flight attendant. It doesn't it work. Or while you're you, the, rost, the roster does not support it. Um, so I made a decision from a life perspective to leave that. Awesome. And um, yeah, went I went back to the corporate world before I came into the industry. But my qualifications on paper don't look like very much. But what I've also learned from being with people that are experts in multiple different fields is uh, someone once said to me that um, the, the definition of an expert is someone that is adverse in the knowledge. So they are across the component and then they interlay a layer of their own experience. And that resonated so much with me because... You can go through thinking that you need a university degree and I'm not discrediting university degrees I know and have worked with some incredible people that have so much knowledge and there's certain careers that you actually need that to be able to operate. Um, But there's a lot of self-learning that you can do and and I've definitely um, really delve into that, um, especially in this particular industry in my first year in the industry. I spent, um, and it's not all about the money, but I spent close to $15,000 on additional education to be able to upskill. Not one of those earned me uh, a qualification as such, but taught me so much that's relevant to the way that I support women with what I do. So Definitely, and I love your outlook on how each job played a part in your life. Other people would look at it in a negative way and say, I'm jumping from job to job, but you're looking at it in a positive way and saying that it's taught you life lessons that you can now adapt to your your current life. So I love what you're doing there. Fantastic. You mentioned before you are a personal trainer. When did you find this and why? So it would have been, I've been in the industry for close to, it's probably five and a half, six years now. Um, I started, uh, my first, I didn't train as such. I, between my 18th and 19th birthday, so I was still relatively young, um, I I joined a gym and, and just, you know, went to some classes and before I knew it, I'd lost 17 and a half kilos. And it literally happened like that. It wasn't, I can't say that I, I look back on that time and there's nothing that stands out. I don't think I, I dieted for lack of a better word. I don't think I created any intense exercise regime. I just really enjoyed what I did. And, um, and you know, fast forward a year later. And the only reason I kind of knew that it was a year is as you do on your birthday, you take photos. And I look, I compared the photos um, from my 18th and 19th birthday and went, holy, holy hell, what is, like, this has happened in yeah. this timeline. And um, it wasn't about the aesthetics. I felt amazing. And I was kind of like, I'm really enjoying this. And, and, you know, people start to notice when you lose that amount of weight. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of all that it was. And then give it, so that was my 19th birthday, give or take a few years. I didn't really have to work very hard to, to maintain my weight. I was feeling good, um, you know, throw in some partying as you do at 19 in there and, and you yeah. know, the lifestyle that that leads <laughs> yeah. and, you know, some alcohol. But I wasn't, I wasn't really, I wasn't focused on my own, my own health and fitness. And um, 
uh, again, when I met my, um, it was my boyfriend, but my now husband, um, yes, again, as you do when you're dating, there's lots of food and outings and, and, you know, your, your lifestyle shifts in a different way. And, you know, I started to not feel comfortable with what the way that I I looked, the way that I felt in my clothes. Um, it wasn't, it's never, ever been about a a scale weight, but that's something tangible that you can always kind of connect with. Um, and we decided together that we were going to get ourselves personal trainers. I'd never had a personal trainer in my life. Um, I'd never really done any weights before. We went to the gym together a little bit and, you know, threw around some weights, but he's trained, but not necessarily experienced in that particular component at at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We definitely weren't following a program. Um, and then we, he had gone to a seminar and, um, he knew of a personal trainer that he really admired. And um, so we started there as clients and loved it. Um, I don't know that my results were anything profound, but I really fell in love with what that type of training can give. Um, resistance training is, is great, both mentally and physically for the body. Um, and I'd only ever previously done classes. And I think you've always got to find something you enjoy. And I definitely like now, especially to fluctuate between, but it was at that particular point that I said, I've got so much to give in terms of my background, my ability to connect with people. And now I found a love for this space, I'm going to explore what that looks like. And I was lucky enough that my um, my mother-in-law gifted me my cert- certificate. So she paid for me to go and Amazing. do my certificate, which was a nice, because I was working in the corporate world. So I did it after hours and um, I did it two nights a week and a Saturday, I think it was. And, you know, spent the time getting my certificate. And I just I just shadowed the, the, the gym that I was um, a client at. I just followed them around like a yeah. hawk and, um, you know, just float it from there. So I think it was just this new exposure to a new type of training and, and the industry brings so many people that are passionate about helping other people that that's what I love about the industry. Um, there's definitely some downsides to it and I'm sure we'll get to that at a particular point without, you know, without coming across too negative. But at the end of the day, um, there is everyone in this industry is out there to help people. That's at the base of what they're doing. If, they don't want to help people, then they probably shouldn't be in the industry, in my opinion. Um, and that's kind of what I saw when I was a client. And I was like, I, I know that I can I can be one of those driving forces and that I can really start to make a difference with the way that people see themselves and how they feel about themselves. So Amazing. And then fasting forward to when you got your qualification, did you always know that you wanted to work with women alone? No, it kind of... When I very first started, I did have some male clients um, and... It just, I found that I connected, I think it comes from a place of being able to to share experiences. Um, you know, it comes back to like even my, my corporate background um, gave me ability to understand what the demands of that life is like, um, what it's like to work in an office in, you know, I had no windows in my office when I was working in corporate and, you know, it's quite a dreary experience. So to be able to liaise with, Um, you know, someone that can picture, that's not to say that men couldn't be able to picture themselves in that scenario, but there's almost just because of, you know, being a woman myself, um, being able to just find that rapport way easier. So it kind of was almost a natural progression. Then I went and worked at an all-female gym and that just kind of forced me (laughs) in that direction, um, which I loved. I loved. I think it's also if you love learning and this industry does force you to learn and, and learn more, 
if you set your boundaries way too broad, there's so, so much to learn. Yeah. That's not to say there's not enough if you just focus on women, but it at least um, it at least gives you a little bit more of a direction in terms of their biggest barriers, what they experience, what emotional you know barriers and things that come up for them. Um, so it kind of allows you to take a little bit of direction yourself rather than um, just kind of going through everything. Great, and I love that you raised that point there because I was going through the same thing when I was starting up my PT business. I was trying to be a master in everything and yep. I quickly learned you can't be a master in everything. So now narrowing the focus down um, has definitely benefited me Tell us a bit more about your what you're doing with women's health and what's your main goal with that? Yeah, so at the moment I'm working with a small selection of clients. I think um, I, my, my passion for women's health has grown and changed at the same time. So I, I started off um, in more of the transformation space space uh working with nutrition and training and um how to achieve an end result essentially so whether it was kilos on the scale centimeters body fat whatever measure whatever tangible measure you wish to to use um and and i do find that still a great kind of underlying thing to to because people want that. At the end of the day, clients want transformation. They want to see. It's what brings them to this industry as such. Definitely. But what I found is quite often there is this greater things that, that are actually happening with women, because that's who I work with, but with everyone when it comes to those transformations. So in terms of how I see you know, my, my growth in the women's health space is looking at more of women as people and I know that sounds really simple but you know what's going on in their life like little things like how when and where are they going to get their shopping done and what does food prep look like for a mum of four kids compared to a corporate woman who's single you know and how can I support in giving them tips and tricks and so to be able to create a life that's actually benefiting them and they're not in the gym punishing themselves because unfortunately that's also what you see a lot when you're in the transformation space it becomes almost an addictive nature of trying to be more and there's nothing wrong with going after a goal or or setting a goal and and you know whether it is weight loss there's there's i don't think there's anything innately wrong with that but it depends on where it's coming from and it's coming if it's coming from a place of love and knowing that you know that there's there's more that you can give as a person then that's that's great and i'll fully support um anyone that i work with but if it's coming from a place of not being not being happy with yourself, even the way that you are right now, it's a totally different conversation. And I think that that's just broadened my eyes in terms of what women's health actually is. It's more than just diet, exercise, and you know maybe a little bit of meditation in there because that's what everyone thinks that they should do. Amazing, so yeah. yeah, I guess it's kind of expanded from from that place. I love that. I love it, it, everything that you're doing there, and I, I guess that this uh, not only females can take points out of this, but males can too. Yeah, adapt it to their own lifestyle. And you're creating a more personal experience rather than just a trainer. You're becoming like a life coach. Yeah, exactly. I think even the word coach gets thrown around so much, and um, but essentially it gives a barrier. Uh, sorry, a banner um, or an umbrella to a term of, of when you are working in, it's called personal training for a reason. Like you're dealing with people. It's so, so important to look at them. And, and you know, I keep talk, referring to barriers, but the barriers they're experiencing, whether it's, you know, oh, the, the array of women that I've worked to who actually get 
anxiety from walking into a gym, mm. a, a commercial gym. Like it's being able to work with clients in that space because it doesn't matter what program or what nutritional support I give them or what recommendations or what I put on paper. It actually makes no sense if they're not comfortable following through with it. Um, essentially like I've taken clients to their gym and gone and and trained with them at their gym so they get comfortable with their surroundings like it's it's doing more than just the the paperwork and the admin and and sending them on their way and you know I I say that with women because that's who I've worked with but I am I am 100% sure that there are there are men going through it as well definitely you touched on meditation before. Talk a little bit about what you're doing with, as a slow living advocate. Why is it <laughs> I think, you know, recently the last um, three months have been a bit of a change for me personally. I, um, I left a full-time role and, you know, I decided that, I mean, I'm, I'm still quite young. I'm, I'm 28 and 10 years of pretty much working between 40 to 60 hour weeks uh, I decided that it was it was time to to pull back and slow down and just to see what can be created in that space. And it really showed me how much more clarity and focus that I can get. Now, I'm not encouraging, nor do I think that it's possible for everyone to just completely halve their workload. Yeah. And, you know, there's obviously things that you need to take into account to make that decision. But I was in a situation where I decided that that was what's best for me at that particular time. Um, and it just showed me that we go through life so busy for lack of a better term we're always and you know it is a generalization but the amount of women in particular that i've i've spoken to it's a daily occurrence it's you know half the time we can barely remember how we got from point a to point b in the car because we've zoned out in that particular time we're just not present in anything that we do anymore um and i'm not the first person to speak about this so i know that it's not you know it's not something that is unfamiliar to those and i think you know whether it's slow living is is a term that i just it, that resonated with me so much because it's more than just mindfulness and meditation or, or things that you ha- you believe that you have to do. It's running an extra long shower if you feel like you need it and you just want to create some more space or, you know, taking five breaths before you walk in rather than doing a meditation to a busy meeting that you've got. Like, it's just thinking about what you're doing and incorporating ways to support slowing down a little bit whether that's sitting and eating rather than eating on the run you know there's so many different variations of what slow living can be um and i found it a more practical way like meditation is something that i still personally you know it's not a daily practice for me and i would love it and i find it benefits me greatly but it's not and like being able to place myself in a mindset of slow living just gives me the ability to know like hey why don't I just take longer to drink my cup of tea today and if that's enough to set the pace for the day and mean that I'm not rushing from one thing to the other then I know that it's going to make me feel better because it does um and I know that others notice the difference too. Awesome. That's a fantastic point that you raised there. You are a realist and not everyone's going to be have the time to sit down and do a 10-minute meditation. Yep. So you're finding ways to incorporate into everyone, into everyday life and people that are on the run so they can adapt it to their life and get the same benefits. So yep. Amazing. You touched on some tips before as well, which, which were awesome. Why do you think a holistic approach to health is more beneficial for everyone? I think because... There are so many different things that influence, like if we just, if we were to go with a simple model of say nutrition and training, um, if we were to just look at those two components as, as key to a healthy lifestyle, um, the, 
there's so many factors that can influence that. What time you go to work, where you work, how far you drive, how stressful your drive is, like whether you have to go home and look after a family or whether you're going home in isolation. It's, it's not about one being better than the other, but the reality is there's so many variables that can influence how and, and how a person can complete two key components, I guess, in a, in a healthy lifestyle. And what that showed me then is like, if I'm going to coach someone and support someone on achieving those two things, I need to be coaching on, I need to be at least having a conversation about all of the other things that can influence that. And, you know, there's, you'll be surprised how simple some things may be, but you know, I mentioned about, you know, how stressful the drive is to work. Like that's going to make a massive difference to how, whether people actually even want to go to the gym um, and or whether they they have the space, the time, the energy. Like it, it's a totally different scenario to if someone, um, you know, is is in a different mindset when they're approaching their, their health and training. So I think it's, I can't pinpoint it down to something in particular because it varies so much. But I think that variation is the exact reason that I think you need to take a holistic approach. Amazing. And do you have any tips for people that may be pinpointing their health to, for example, like you said, nutrition and fitness, how to broaden it to a holistic view? Yeah, I think looking at, so I guess still starting with the two components. So if it's, you know, what what you nourish your body with and how you move, those two things. Um, if you look at that as a starting point, how can you incorporate them in without them being a pressure initially? If you're starting from zero, let's just say, you know, there's no point going in with say seven training sessions in your week like it's one it's not going to benefit you and two you're probably going to dislike it and at the end of the day the exercise the best exercise for anyone to do is the one that they enjoy like ultimately that's what it comes down to there may be some give and take about some things i'm sure no one loves burpees but you know there's (laughs) i don't like burpees but there's certain things that we might have to push beyond you know it's not about absolutely loving every little component but you shouldn't be going in and and actually resenting the process and that goes with what you nourish your body with or how you move it's exactly the same mentality so i think it's just looking at how you can incorporate small things if if the gym isn't for you then start with walking your dog one more extra walk a week you know and maybe increasing it from there looking at how you you sleep um i think sleep is so underrated and so nourishing um you know i'm pretty lucky but I say that I'm lucky, but also I, I've really focused on improving. I bet I never sleep less than eight hours a night. And on average, I get nine hours a night. And that's a rarity from, especially with the women that I work with, because we are in a culture of, again, I come back to busy, that, you know, a less is more is like, okay, yep, I've got to keep going. You know, yeah. clients that I speak to can sleep between four and six hours a night. If that was me, I would not be a good human to be around. No way, yeah. But I think it's just starting with the things that you have control over. So you can change your schedule. Ultimately, it's a choice to change your schedule. So you can get some more sleep at night. If that means, if that's the one thing that you implement rather than focusing on adding in four training sessions to your schedule, then start there. Um, and then think about how you can then allow that to flow through. If you're sleeping better, maybe you've got more energy to get up and get a workout in in the morning. Or, you know, it's, it's just finding that rhythm for you um, to, to gain that momentum. Definitely. And I love that approach you're taking. Uh, a pet hate of mine are like eight-week challenges and 10-week challenges. 
and I know a lot of fitness professionals are in the same boat as me, and yeah. they are not designed for everyone, but for the majority of people, it's going from zero to five sessions a week, and yeah. they're not really learning the process and how to make sustainable changes. That's not to say people that are already active can't go and challenge themselves, because that's also for them too, but I love the approach that you're doing. It's much more beneficial. Amazing. I guess that leads into my next question about self-love and self-care. Can you tell us a little bit more about your process that you take your clients through? Yeah, I think like it comes, it ties a little bit into the slow living. Um, I think especially, you know, I, w- I work with a lot of mums and and there seems to be a common theme that, um, you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of parents that can relate, that, you know, it start, it, your, your life shifts from being about you to being about your children. But there needs to be some component of, you know, nourishing yourself first. Um, and that's, you know, for parents and non-parents. But, you know, um, one of the, the quotes that I've seen is you can't pour from an empty cup. And I feel like that that resonates so strong with, strongly with me is that in order for you to be a, a greater person, and when I say greater, with more energy and more vitality and, you know, whether it even comes down to, to longevity, you need to be able to support yourself first before you can support others. It's the exact reason that they get you to put your your oxygen mask on before you put others. Yeah. I mean, it's a great analogy. I've heard it so many times, but it's because if if you get that oxygen taken and you do not have the ability to breathe, you can no longer serve anyone else. You can no longer help anyone else. You can no longer be, you know, that person at work or around your friends or, um, you, you know, your family. So I think it's coming from that place. And, you know, there's so many, I, the self-care movement is getting a lot of conversation and I absolutely love that. But I think whenever something gains momentum, it also can be com- taken completely out of context. My version of self-care is not just, you know, sitting in a bath full of candles with a face mask on. But it is also that. It depends on what your version and how you get fulfilled is. For some people, that isn't taking a bath, and for some people it is. That's where I guess, you know, the definition can be blurred. It's just making sure that you've got what you need to be full of life before going on and putting anything out for anyone else, whether that means making sure that you take time to get up a little bit earlier and eat your breakfast before you worry about everyone else, or you drive to work a little bit earlier because you want to get a kickstart on the day because you know that then you want to slow down for the rest of the day. Self-care can mean so many different things, but often it just means focusing on you a little bit more first before you know trying to be that person for everyone else awesome and do you recommend that people should take the time to really understand what their body needs before taking any drastic measures definitely definitely i think it's hard because in the age of social media there's always more 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 there's always everything shoved in your face about what you should should be doing um and it it makes it so hard because if someone else is doing it that way, then that should be the right way. But that's not often the case. Um, it's just about recognizing, you know, and I know I'm going off track a little bit, but even what worked for you at a previous time may no longer work. The body yeah. is an, a, a completely adaptive machine. You know, I spoke a little bit about, you know, my weight loss between my 18th and 19th birthday. I did not put any into, into energy or intention into that particular year of my life. I mean, that was a, a great in terms of what I felt after achieving that goal, but it's totally different. I couldn't just go and, and do whatever now if I wanted to, 
to lose a substantial amount of weight. It just doesn't work. Processes don't work the same for yourself, let alone for other people. And I think that place of comparison can be a really dangerous place to sit in. Um, and it does take a lot of patience to figure out what works for you, but it's so much benefit, so much more beneficial in the long run, especially when you talk about sustainable results. And no one wants to have results and then be in a worse off place in terms of what your definition of results is. You know, one, two, three more, three months down the track. There's no point going through that eight week challenge to whether it's you know if it is weight loss to then have that come back on and more in at four weeks time from that. So that's a 12 week process where you've actually, you've expent so much energy, not only physically, but mentally as well, to not be in the place that you had desired in the beginning. So I think when it comes to sustainable long-term results, it's all about what works for you. And only you can really know that. You can use the guidance of a coach and a personal trainer and the expertise, but it's also having the patience to go, you know what, this, this feels pretty good. And there's nothing wrong with it feeling good. <laughs> Definitely. I love the point that you raised that it's not a one size fits all. So what works for someone may not work for someone else. Yeah. And I, I love what you're preaching here with, with all women that you're taking care of. You touched on before about self-education. How important is this for the everyday person, not only professionals, and how can people go out and educate themselves? Yeah, I am a huge self-education advocate. I think it's so important to um, keep a curious mind. Like we we do, we're, we're innately curious. As kids, we're curious. Like that's why kids don't stop asking you questions yeah. <laughs> or like, why this, why this? Is because that's that's the way that we we essentially want to be, and I think when we move through adulthood, responsibilities get greater, and and the need for for doing more gets greater, and we lose that curious curious side. Um, so education for me has been a lot to do with with the industry, but also now I'm delving into things that are, are much more. Um, following what excites me and there is always a correlation Um, you know neuroscience is I'm not going to be a neuroscientist that's not going to happen but it's something that is completely blowing my mind at the moment so that's the path that I'm going whether it's you know um, books or articles and you know what if you don't have time podcasts are amazing you know in on the drive to work you know popping something on that you feel um you know, is, is going to inspire and uplift you is a great way to just broaden your knowledge. And you like that can take you in so many different avenues. There's so many times that I've listened to something or had a conversation with someone and I was like, wow, that's incredibly intriguing. I'm just going to go and learn a little bit more about it. We're lucky that everything that we possibly have is on Google. <laughs> so Thank if you want to learn that. something, I mean, it's not all accurate. So do be a little bit skeptical when you are researching. But um, there is so much out there that you can kind of go. And it just it enables you to connect with people on a totally different level. It doesn't have to be about one particular topic, but it, it sparks incredible conversations and people just aren't talking enough and that's like a whole nother thing where we spend too much time in isolation or or with our phone that they're not actually having we're not having as many conversations as we used to um and i think you know self-education and keeping that curious mind gives you that conversation starter when you're not sure you know what you could possibly talk about amazing i love that point that you raised that there about conversation starter a lot of us don't know how to communicate because we're so used to just texting it and when you meet a foreign person or a new uh, someone new, you can have that in your toolkit to 
podcast uh, yeah. conversation. That's a great point. I guess that touches into my next question about public speaking. I understand you've done a little bit of public speaking in the yeah. past. Talk us through that and what's your main goal with that? So where, where I was working previously, um, my role was facility manager. So there was a lot of, of, I guess, public speaking in terms of events that were run and so forth. But recently I co-facilitated a workshop um, in out of General Assembly in the city, uh, which was, a, they run a lot of different workshops um, to do with a, a wide range of, of areas. But that was kind of my first time really putting myself out there and um, connecting with people that I didn't know, that I hadn't had a relationship before. And, you know, I, that same week I had volunteered at the TEDx Melbourne Talks. And, you know, that was a great com- um, confidence booster because speaking to the speakers there, so many of them had had mentioned that as long as you're prepared, like, it's just bringing a level of confidence. Um, you can... <laughs> the, the statistics say that some people would prefer to... to uh, they're more scared of death than public, uh, so they're more scared of public speaking than death. That ultimately they would rather um, not do it. Like it just blows my mind yeah. that, that, that that like that fear is so common, so common. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that it doesn't make me anxious or I don't get sweaty palms as soon as I go to speak. But I think it's just it's being able to step into that space and know that everyone has something to say. Like you can learn anything from anyone. You will always learn from other people. It doesn't matter whether they're in similar industries or a different industry. Everyone's got something to teach you. And I think if you go in with that mindset, even with public speaking, you can share what you have and know that it's okay for other people to have different opinions at the same time. I think that's quite often what is feared in public speaking is that the fear of judgment, yeah. the fear of not being good enough. And, and that's a real fear, but it's also the fact that there's nothing wrong with being challenged or, or um, you know, having someone come to you with a different opinion because if you can have a really a, a great conversation with them, you're going to walk away learning a hell of a lot more than what you went in with. Um, and I think when you, when you look at that and balance out removing the fears, it makes the public speaking a hell of a lot easier. Amazing. Do you have any tips for the listeners? Yeah, I think the easiest one that I de- default to in terms of getting out of that state of like heightenedness is um, a technique called box breathing. So there's so many different barriers, but one that I find works really, really well for me is um, a four-second inhale, a two-second hold, a six-second exhale, and then a two-second hold. So you're, the the longer that you spend exhaling, the more that you are shifting your body into more of a sympathetic state. So from a nervous system response, a stress response, it's calming your body down. Now, if you did five breaths of that, that's immediately going to have a small response. Um, It'll also allow you to be a little bit more present and you can kind of tune into what exactly you're scared of. You know, being a little bit scared isn't necessarily a bad thing. It shows you how important that is to you um, and why you, you need to do it even more. But I think just taking time and not just rushing in there, composing yourself, Again, the box breathing is probably one of my favorites for a short term kind of jump in. Give me a little bit of a solution to try and bring, you know, whether it's your heart rate down or just calm or center you without, um, without you know, giving you, you know, you might not have 10 minutes to 
sit and be with your thoughts in a meditation. So five deep breaths with a longer exhale makes a massive difference. Awesome. I've heard about that box breathing before and I I use it myself. It does work in that moment when I'm like flustered and it just brings me back to reality. So it's it's definitely a a kickstarter and a great tool that you can always use no matter how advanced that you are in meditation in inverted commas as well. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing, Christy. What are you doing with Adventures Over Anxiety? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so Adventures Over Anxiety is is a little bit of a passion project of mine. We're actually, um, it has been around for almost 12 months. We launched on Are You OK Day last year. And Are You OK Day is actually um, uh, the 13th of September, so coming up in um, a few days from when we record this. But it um, it came about from, I was going through a bit of a rough patch. And, you know, I I have a history of um, depression and anxiety. And I think, you know, from who I, from all of the people that I speak to, it's way more common um, than is spoken about, at least. And, you know, aside from my own journey, there was a particular day and I was reading um, Sarah Wilson's book, Make the Beast Beautiful, which if you ever experience anxiety or you know anyone that experiences anxiety, I highly recommend reading it um, because for me it was the first time anxiety was articulated and actually expressed in a way that I not only was continuously nodding my head like, wow, that's how I feel, but I was able to almost bring people around me that that don't necessarily know or experience anxiety on the level that I did um, about how that actually feels for me. And I, um, she's a huge advocate for hiking and adventures. And I, uh, I put a call out on Instagram and I said, does anyone want to go for a hike? It's an open invitation. I want to go on an adventure tomorrow, but I don't want to go alone. I was a little bit hesitant about going into the woods by myself. Yeah. And, you know, I, I said to myself, I remember it so clearly, I said to myself, if no one responds, I can just delete the post. And that was enough, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that's the best approach to take, but it was enough for me to give me that little bit of opportunity to put myself out there a little bit because, you know, it felt like I was I was running a big risk. Um, and I was blown away. I had three women message me and say, yes, I'm in. And there were three women that I had never spent more than five seconds speaking to. Two of them I'd never met. So one of them was a a work colleague of mine, but we never really got to liaise too much. So I definitely wouldn't say that I I knew her at this particular point. Um, And so that that following day, we caught up for coffee and then we ventured out to the Yuyangs, um, which is an incredible short little hike. And it was the absolute mind blowing day. And it was exactly what I needed to not only connect with people, um, but also to just take myself out into to nature, which is, is so beautiful. Um, and from there, I was like, wow, there really is something in this. If, if three women felt the urge to reach out to me to put themselves out there because they didn't know me either, um, and to come along and, and do something, there's obviously something here. And, um, you know, I, I launched I launched the Passion Project with one of the girls that come along initially um, who co-founded, who at this current time is, is no longer, you know, kind of coinciding with me because she's got lots going on. But um, we both launched it together because we just found this mutual connection and ability to bring people together. And it's like-minded people. You know, even that term, I think, can kind of put people in a bubble, but you'd be yeah. surprised 
how much similarity you have more similarity with other people than you do differences and um it was from there that we decided that we would run we wanted to start monthly monthly hikes and it didn't really kick off exactly the way that we had foreseen just based on it is a lot of work to coordinate other people um and you know we needed to nurture our own mental health in that process and we didn't want it to kind of counteract what the key message was but I feel like 12 months down, we've really gathered the momentum and the, we've figured out the, um, the niggly bits. And, and now we are committed to monthly hikes. We run one month, it's a Saturday, one month, it is a Sunday. Um, and we venture around Victoria at the moment. I would love to take it. My, one of my goals is to take it to it, within Victoria, but Wilson's prom and do an overnight stay and, yeah. and have people attend for no other reason than just bringing, um, bringing people together. And, you know, I always, I always make sure that I speak from a place of that it's not just about coming together and, and talking. You can just come together and be. Nature is such a beautiful thing. And um, the reason that we chose hiking was because there is so much research around that has come out of Japan, actually, in terms of forest bathing and the ability to, to bring your, yourself into a calm state and, and the benefit from a mental health perspective to actually be physically out in nature and also surrounded by other people. Sometimes we just crave that connection and, and isolation can be a big contributing factor to, to mental health. Um, Amazing. From there, so. And uh, that's a great point you've raised about the connection. We are so disconnected with everything. We're always surrounded by concrete walls yeah. and, and like houses and things like that. We don't take the time to appreciate nature in its rarest form. Yeah. And so I love what you're doing there. And in fact, that this is a non, non-for-profit thing. So it's coming from a place of love for yeah. you. People can definitely resonate with that. So you're doing great things. When is your next hike? So September 26th is the grand final um, Friday, grand final eve. We're running a hike to Turunga Falls, awesome. um, which is about two and a half hours away. Uh, I always drive, so there's always room in my car, but we like to try and you know bring as many people together. Um, but we meet for coffee at a, a location beforehand, so and then um, so people get a chance to just interact a little bit, so they don't feel like they have to go out into the woods with random strangers. Yes. It can sound <laughs> scary. I promise it's not. Um, I, you know, and it's. It's a big day for me because I really make an effort to make sure that everyone feels comfortable. Um, but it is amazing. And, you know, I was lucky enough to have um, someone completely new come on to our July hike who was able to actually articulate and, and she was she shared some stuff. And she was so scared of coming initially. I think she, she even said that she skipped out on maybe three or four hikes in terms of wanting to come but not being able to say yes because the fear of, of going and putting yourself out there um, is, a, is a scary one. But she was, she was so grateful that she came and, and we were so grateful that we got to meet, you know, such incredible people. Um, once, you leave, once you leave school and aside from work, it's very hard to, to make friends. That's the reality. It's, it's so hard to leverage friendships and rather than you know networking and business networking and stuff like that if you look at the, the like the essence of friendships and connection it is hard outside of those two brackets so if your work colleagues aren't necessarily people that you see yourself spending time with on the weekend or you want to create some separation where do you go from there if you've change states or you know move location it's it's can be a really isolating world and that's just creating more of a storm for you know the likes of of mental health so 
being able to bring people together and and develop amazing friendships. I'm my, my best friend now is someone that came on that initial hike, and I'm so so grateful for her to reach out. And mm. yeah, it, it's it's been incredible, an incredible twelve months journey. <laughs> amazing, Chrissy. Good on you. You're doing amazing things. Give some tips for the listeners that may not be close to forests or yep. or anything that they can do with nature in itself. Yeah, I think. Hiking. Um, the Dr. Elise Bayou, who is the founder of Mindful in May, um, I'm actually listening to her book at the moment, but she, she talks about mindful walking. And I think, you know, we're lucky enough that we do live with greenery around us everywhere. Even if you live in the CBD, you can, you know, there's, we're lucky that there's parks close by, like give or take 15 minutes. Most people within some form of grassland or grass, I don't know much about grassland, but, (laughs) um, grass, I think, you know, even using that time to get from where you are to a patch of grass habit um, to actually absorb your surroundings and be present in that. So listening to the way that the the cars sound on the road if you're in the city, the, the conversations, you know, as much as we spoke about self-education and li- listening to podcasts when you're out and about, um, it's also nice to do the opposite sometimes and to actually to switch off and be present and listen for what's happening, feel it. Grounding, the research around grounding is absolutely amazing. So, you know, being able to just take your shoes off, pop your feet on the grass and just take a few big deep breaths. Maybe it's a round of box breathing with your feet on the grass on your lunch break before you head back off for your busy day. Like if getting out into nature isn't isn't a possibility for you, I would also challenge that you know, it's important to make time for that, whether that's with, it might not be on a hike with new people. It might be with your family or, you you know, your partner or your already current friendship group. Maybe instead of a brunch date, brunch date, you can take, you know, a lunch out and, and head out. There's some amazing places in Victoria where we're incredibly lucky. Or if you're listening, you know, there's amazing places all around Australia where we're entirely um, so spoiled for choice. But you know, if if you wanted to incorporate it into a daily thing, you know, just as simple as, as finding, you know, some grass or going to the beach and, you know, just even sitting with your windows down in your car if you don't want to get out and maybe listen to the waves and feel the fresh air and um, make sure that your heat is blaring if it's in the middle yeah. of the winter. <laughs> but, you know, making a small little step to be connected to nature in some way um, and whether that's through sound, sight or, or touch if you've got the ability to. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, grounding is a tip that I've recently started doing of taking my shoes off and yep. walking through the grass or walking on the concrete. And the earth has so many amazing energies or energy to give yep. us. So absorbing that definitely um, does make a difference to your day. Christy, what's the main message you're trying to spread through all these avenues? I understand that you're taking you're taking a whole holistic approach rather than just being a trainer. You're becoming doing all these extra avenues just to better the, the life of people. So what's your main goal? Oh, it's so, it's so diverse. I think what I find is, you know, my main goal for those that I work with is definitely driven by what my main goals are for myself. Um, you you can't be in the, this industry without Im- influencing people with your own, um, you know, energy, um, thought processes, curiosities, like everything that you expend, you, you your clients absorb or, or those you're around you absorb. Um, and, you know, personally it's looking into how 
when I do, because re- I will be returning to full-time employment, this little hiatus that I've had won't last forever. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, there's there's things that need to happen and, and a yeah. salary is definitely something that contributes <laughs> to that. Again, I'm a realist. Like it would be nice if I could just, you know, stay in a working capacity that's half of a full-time um, thing. But I guess it's it's being able to, like what does, you know, how even more can I share the message of of what is slow living in a busy in a, in a busy life? Like, what does enjoying what you do in terms of training? And I think the biggest focus for me at the moment is is removing this perception of hating your body. Um, it's something that I'm finding is getting more and more conversation. Um, you know, it ties in with the self-care, it ties in with the, the slow living, it ties in with holistic health, is that the place that you're coming from in this desire to live a healthy lifestyle, because all the time, or most of the time, healthy lifestyle is being linked to transformation. And there's so much more than that. That's not to say, um, there's an incredible woman who is a client of mine, her name is Emmy Lou, and she said to me, um, you don't have to hate your body to want to change it. And I thought that's a great way to also, you know, I'm not saying that transformation isn't isn't what people want or should never be experienced or, you know, if it's something's going to make you, you, um, you know, be able to live your life more comfortably and be able to move better and, you know, reduce your risk for things like heart disease and diabetes, then awesome, let's work on a transformation of whether that is weight loss or um, body composition. But let's do it from a place of love, not from a place of hating yourself, because that is just creating a storm for for this unrealistic expectation on what your body can do, what your attachment to that is, and and what the outcome will be. I think my message is so bundled up into so much, but I'm so passionate around trying to just live a higher quality life. Like that would probably be the only way that I could summarize it. It's reducing the the stigma and the prevalence of mental health. Um, you know, whether that is by bringing people together or just having a more a conversation about it. Um, it's allowing women to, you know, focus on feeling and looking good, you know, um, in and out of clothes, but from a place of love rather than from a place of, I hate myself where I am, so I need to lose 10 kilos. Because the reality is if you hated yourself 10 kilos heavier, you're probably going to still hate yourself 10 kilos lighter. And as much as that's a harsh reality, unless you address the key foundations as to where that's coming from and making sure it's coming from a great place, that whole journey, that effort, that time that you spend into losing that 10 kilos as an example could be better spent on something else. And and that's the reality. Um, So I think it's just trying to ensure that everyone I meet has a higher quality of life Amazing. from being in relationship with me. I love that. And I've been so absorbed in this conversation, I forgot that I actually have to ask the questions. <laughs> That's sh- a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure all my listeners will be as well. Um, you've touched them on some amazing points. Where can we find you to follow your journey or where can we reach out to you? Yeah, so I am on um, the glorious social media. So you can find me at Christy Lee Brown on Instagram. That's probably where I'm most avid. I do 
although have um, Adventures Over Anxiety has an Instagram as well. It's literally Adventures Over Anxiety. Um, I am trying to be more away from social media and disconnected a little bit more, but I am still... I love the, the ability to connect. I don't think I will ever completely erase it. Occasionally, you might see me jump off for a digital detox because I think we get absorbed. Um, but yeah, I Instagram's probably the best place. Um, or I'm more than happy if there's something in particular that someone wants to chat at, you can contact me at hello at adventuresoveranxiety.com. Awesome. And I'll have all those avenues in the show notes for you guys. Christy, thank you so much for your time. You're doing amazing things. And thank you for having me. It's such a broad spectrum, and I'm sure everyone will be, be absorbed by it like I was. Yeah, <laughs> it was lots of fun. <laughs> Thanks, Christy. Thank you. And that's this week's dose of Euphoria. Connect with myself and the Euphoria Health community on Instagram or Facebook at Euphoria Health. Through these channels, you'll find cool workouts, plant-based recipes, and daily challenges. Until next time, guys, I'm your host, Matt Zapala, and remember, don't settle for anything less than Euphoria.